Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast from March 8th, 2021. Featuring poet Gregory Crosby leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic formerly held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. We've been hosting these virtually since the pandemic began. For more information and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Kate Gardner, Cassidy Gabriel, Matthew Adabit, Hannah Donovan, Bill Livingston, Stella Lee, Morgan Boyle, Lindsay Abrams, Yana Kane, Seth Leeper, Harvey Sauce, Judy Schneier, Meredith Darling, Matt Morse, Serendria Rao, Todd Friedman, Frank Rabino, Samantha Marin, Gabriel Papura, Tarika Chandran, and last but not least, Lila's, Lila Rudis Helser. Okay, let's get right to the action of the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for March. Enjoy. Okay, and with that announcement, we are back for the uh, Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic. Um, yeah, uh, that was my brilliant, stirring introduction to the open mic hour. Sometimes I'm in a complete loss of words. Um, a couple of announcements before we begin, especially if you're new to the open mic. Uh, every poet that reads for the open mic gets uh, to read one poem of three minutes max. Uh, we've been hosting these virtually while we've been doing that. Uh, we screen share the text of the poems during the reading, so you will see them on the screen uh, before you. Uh, every month we pick a uh, winner of Yop Poem of the Month uh, by audience vote. And the way to do that is simply to uh, send me a text message uh, to 713-718-374-1953. I'm going to put this in the chat. Uh, I'll announce that a couple of times, but uh, 718-374-1953. You can just text me the poet's name uh, and that will suffice. Uh, vote once. Uh, the winner of Yop Poem of the Month uh, gets uh, free admission to a future Yop, um, along with a free Brooklyn Poets tote bag, and most importantly, a spot in our Poem of the Year contest at the end of the year, which will be in December, uh, the second Monday of that month uh, for our next awards gala. Um, we also record the Yop Open Mic as a podcast that we call the Yopcast. We publish it as a Yopcast, uh, as the Yopcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you're not subscribed already, we would love it if you would do so uh, and rate us five stars. That would be brilliant. Uh, I think we're up to 35 five-star ratings last I checked. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's like one or two more than we had at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> so apparently one effect of the pandemic is no one is rating us on iTunes anymore. So uh, if you would love to do that right now, go ahead. I encourage you. That would be great because uh, it helps other people find the podcast and most importantly, uh, get exposed to the work of the poets that are reading for the open mic. Um, I think that's all the announcements that I have. I feel like it was really quick this month, but maybe that's just because I'm usually long-winded. Uh, staff, have you remembered anything that I've forgotten to say? Because Arthur's not here. He's in class right now. 
I think that's probably it. Uh, if you, again, if you would like to take a selfie and send it to us or post it on Instagram, that would be great. If you post it on Instagram, tag us. Uh, we'll be sure to share it as a story. Uh, or email your photos to me at coup at brokenpoets.org. Uh, we'd appreciate it so uh, we don't have a bunch of screenshots uh, in our events gallery. In fact, I just I just realized I didn't take any screenshots of Gregory's workshop, which probably tells you how uh, much I don't like taking screenshots anymore, but I will be sure to do that during the open mic. Okay, so without further ado, I'm gonna turn it over to Gregory Crosby, who's our featured reader tonight, and he's gonna read some poems from his new book. Oh, right, poems. All right. Uh, there we are. So this is a, uh, a four part. Sorry, I'll do the reading thing. Uh, this next poem is in four parts. Sorry, right. Uh, this, uh, I'm just gonna read a couple of poems and then uh, let everybody uh, enjoy everybody else's work. This poem, uh, double album is in, said no one ever. Double album, side one. A million hours ago, listening to the man who sold the world and idly wondering, but who bought it? Then solemn wondering, the question of just how much silence a body can endure before finally rising to flip the record over to side two. How much of that silence can anyone endure? The far away so close of jet engines, the mysteries of bird song, the shudder of cypresses in the breeze. But who bought it? Side two. The phrase universal archive of images found in an otherwise blank book, the emblem to end all emblems. The war is over before it ever started. Whatever else you might say about a piano, one thing's certain, it does not occur in nature, except of course that it does. Strange theory, eternal recurrence. It only takes five nevers to break a heart. Beneath the music, there's a little voice that says, here I am, here I am, a belly full of wine, silence. Side three, when was the last time on an unmade bed, unmoving, listening to a record with windows shuttered and eyes shuttered, you heard the voice of your own existence, echo that refuses to return, galaxy that toils and spins inside the web of dark matter that sees itself and recognizes itself, but without knowledge, without hope or even despair. The last song ends and you open your eyes as if God will be sitting there, legs crossed, turning the pages of a magazine, smoking a cigarette, neither bored nor interested, listening to an emptied air. Side four. I sat up all night in the Chelsea Hotel writing this for you. You believe me, right? Okay. And this is a new poem that's not in the book. Uh, this is called I'll Remember April. This lovely day will lengthen into evening, but so do the unlovely days as well. It's the morning of the noon of our grieving. So many refuse, they won't stop believing. There is always another new tale to tell. 
This lovely day will lengthen into evening, the moon and the stars, all of it deceiving. We stroll and step over these circles of hell. It's the morning of the noon of our grieving. We are left with the conquest of screening. We dwell upon work and work where we dwell, day after day lengthening into evening. Dreaming's still free. Are we only dreaming? Remember that tolling of the iron bell? It's the morning of the noon of our grieving. We stay and we stay forever leaving this whole wide world, the walls of our cell. This lovely day will lengthen into evening, into the morning of the noon of our grieving. Okay. Very nicely done, Professor. I love the uh, villanelle at the end. I also like that you read it without introducing it as a villanelle. <laughs> Very sneaky. Does one, does, one, does one need to introduce a villanelle at Brooklyn Poets? I think not. It used to be what everyone would, usually when people read a villanelle, they're like, next I have a villanelle for you. <laughs> like, you know, I know uh, do that. I've done that myself. Because <laughs> everybody, everybody who says that thinks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a villanelle. And it's going to be better than Elizabeth Bishop's one art. I'm just preparing you now. I'm going to yeah, knock it out of the park. Right. No one ever does. So that would be you. great, though, if someone introduced their villanelle that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to read a villanelle that's better than Bishop's one art. So prepare yeah. yourselves to prepare be yourselves. Okay. Uh, thanks very much. By Thank Gregory's new book. If you don't have it already, you will not regret it. Our next poet, current student of mine counting on her fingers, writing blank verse poems. Kate Gardner. How are you, Kate? I'm good. This isn't a blank verse, but I'm going to recommend your class to everyone. <laughs> I love it. This was pre-blank verse, so forgive me. <laughs> Jubilee. Dropping stately green robes the trees whoop it up in a circus of technicolor. Toss gobs of confetti on cars, curbs, and forest floor. Bright bits on boot bottoms come home into crooks and crannies. We will find these fading echoes of all that wide-eyed wonder long after the cheering stopped, long after the ringmasters packed up their tents and slipped naked into winter. Okay, thank you, Kate. Uh, I forgive you for not <laughs> reading a blank first poem, but I enjoyed this poem very much. Uh, I don't know if something's wrong with your camera or if you just purposely have like a, a yellow screen or if I'm- Oh, whoops. Oh, there you go. Sorry about that. You had something covering your camera. Anyway, that was very <laughs> mysterious. Actually, actually, Kate, that looked like you were a Rothko reading that poem. Oh, really? That. I think that's a cool, yeah, I think it's true. With that. that was great. Yeah. Well, you know, yellow, it kind of went with the poem. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thanks very much, Kate. Uh, I enjoyed that you're very welcome. much. But, uh, and thank you. Now what you're going to spend the rest of the week doing is writing your last blank first poem. You bet. <laughs> Already on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, our next reader is Cassidy Gabriel. How are you, Cassidy? I'm good, how are y'all? Uh, I'm doing well. I think everyone else is doing pretty well. Go for good. it. Thank you. Having a laugh. 
They're cutting me open soon, is the last thing I say to you before they do just that. And how the light licked your left ear as you realized. Come apart kind of like a clementine. Feel immaculate, real clean and smooth, a real clockwork orange. And juicy too, except these hands don't move mechanic, they move conductor in four or five or six. This is the way something will taste right before you realize it wants to drown you. Sunny midwinter day, your mother's last birthday, and the air soft speaking and in a hurry. It tastes like that. Like whiskey story time by Alabaster de Plume, and we sat and smiled in that sun. Smiled in that sun until the sky changed its mind to April and there was nothing in my palms or beneath our bare feet or in the lap of the silence sitting between us except teeth. And so our necks rattled with laughter at them, teeth, like the ones in God's mouth, so grooved you can lay in them with company, me and mine and you and yours, all having a laugh in God's groovy teeth. Wow, thank you. That was amazing. Uh, I love this imagery at the ending, God's groovy teeth. I would like to have a laugh in God's groovy teeth. Uh, that sounds like a good place to be. Definitely better than the other place uh, in hell. Uh, that was your first time reading for the YAP, yes? Yeah, first time. Thanks for All having right. me. Right. Yeah, Thanks welcome. Everybody. Very glad to have you. Uh, keep coming back. Uh, I, I like what I heard. Uh, fantastic stuff. All right. Uh, on to our third poet of the evening, uh, Matthew Adabit. Safety. How are you, Matthew? Hey, good. Um, yeah, and you can find my uh, more of my poetry on Instagram at Matthew Adabet. <clears throat> when was the last time you felt safe? Have you ever felt that all of your joints fit together? When was the last time that fist in your belly opened and allowed you to exhale? Yes, there will be adventures and romances and futures. But for now, can you feel that column of light and belonging rooting you to the clay floor of the earth, extending to the midnight heavens and joining your voice to the song of the stars. We're drunk with the joy of you being here. Our human family was not complete. We were not truly in love without you. Okay, thank you. Wow, another good ending. This is a, <laughs> this is a wry and crafty poem. <laughs> uh we're drunk with the joy of you being here okay um uh, all right thank you matthew uh i like this poem a lot uh check out matthew's instagram let me scroll back up if you want to check that out so you go by matthew out of it not matthew parrot yes yeah okay so clarifying that for future reference uh another nice background good bookshelves I can't pick out any books that I know, but that's okay. Uh, our next reader is Hannah Donovan. How are you, Hannah? Our old friend, Hannah Donovan. Hi, I'm good. Um, I'm happy to be here. Uh, okay, Glacier. At eight, I wake and eat toast with butter. I wish I had something sweet. He made much of my honey sucked me to a bitter husk. If I quit crunching crusts, there's a hum still, I think. At nine, I search for a single strand of sunlight and I singe myself in it. 
At 10, my mother calls. I tell her I am working on myself. She tells me, that's nice. No one gives me credit for changing, but I guess whoever stared at a glacier and thought, now that's progress. At 11, I try to recreate the ripe conditions for a summoning of old joy, but I don't have a lock of his hair to offer up to the fire. At noon, I stand in the rain and try to dodge the droplets. At half past, I carefully sew a pillow from scratch, then scream into the down. At one, I clean out my cupboards and find a portrait of the Arctic Circle. The title below it reads, Stillness. I take it from its frame, crumple it up, and manically jump up and down on top of the wad. At two, I set up camp atop a snow mound. He is the river beneath the ice. The thaw never comes. At three, I people watch through my window. I throw tomatoes at the pane. Boo! I despise the sunny mouths of women in bloom. At four, the air begs to be smaller. I wish I could will it. I wish I could will anything to be its terrible self with my permission. At five, my regrets line up. It's a procession. It's a goddamn parade. At six, I tune into a radio program. A deep sea diver is being interviewed. They describe the cold as something you relax into, then you crave it. I understand now. He was the bone chill. By seven, I have molted raw. I have released a skin every few hours. I am spent. At eight, I crawl into bed. I close my eyes and meditate. I am a portrait of stillness. I envision an Arctic landscape, a glacial mass before me, milling tourists, snapping quick shots. I just sit and watch. It inches. Unhurried, it inches. No one else sees. I don't care. I am happy. Thank you. Okay, great stuff. I love it. Uh, the glacier, uh, it inches is so magical as a phrase. Uh, also a little creepy at first, but I like that. <laughs> it inches. Uh, something about that phrase is, is, is a little sinister. Um, I just wanted to scroll back. I like what your, I like your mom's reaction. Reminds me of my mom. That's nice. <laughs> sort of classic. Uh, yeah, that's progress. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, it's great to hear your work again, Hannah. Uh, so what you're living in California now, is that what you just said? Um, no, oh, you're I, California. I am a Californian, but I'm living in Maine. <laughs> Oh, you're in Maine now. Okay. But you used to be in Brooklyn, yes? I did, yes. Yeah. Okay. How's Maine? Um, it's good. We're actually getting warm weather, so I'm very happy. <laughs> Find warm, like 30 degrees? Um, like 36 today. <laughs> 36 is progress. Yeah. yeah, it's like a glacier. It is progress. <laughs> That's progress. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll say hello to Maine for me. Uh, that's where I got engaged, Portland, Maine. Oh, that's where I live. Yeah. 
Oh, there you go. We'll say hi to Portland, Maine for me. Say hi to the lighthouse. That's where it happened. <laughs> you can find my initials and my wife's initials on a certain tree branch if you look carefully enough. Okay, our next reader, enough, enough about me. <laughs> our next reader is a uh, former Yawper of the Year, Bill Livingston. How are you, Bill? Good, how are you? So I checked the 61 Local website and it, it didn't say permanently closed yet. Did you see differently? Bill told me that 61 he thinks is closed now. It was mentioned on the Boreham Hill uh, Facebook yeah. page that sounds, that sounds and I, I looked inside. Yeah, I peeked inside. It was very empty and there was a ton of junk mail piled up in the foyer, which mm -hmm. is very foreboding. <laughs> yeah, I kind of feel like the owners just like took off for like some island and uh, they're just going to, they haven't gotten back to anybody. Okay, well, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, go for it, Bill. Okay, this is something I wrote um, in the summer, been revising here and there, retitled, retitled, retitled. It's called Summer of Shove. An asteroid the size of a skyscraper will speed past the Earth this weekend. The least of our worries as my feet ache from marching into yet another battle. My privilege sitting on my shoulder, digging in its talons, screaming, fucking gentrifying, complicit murderer. So many hands up, so many fists raised or wrapped around the hickory of a nightstick, the cardboard of the slogan du jour, the bottle of soothing antidote for burning eyes, like a daughter now carries everywhere since being tear gassed and assaulted for helping black lives who have felt the brutality by the same blue lives I call when a bike is stolen or a needle enters a vein. All while she should be at a prom that never happened, discovering a new love. I soak my feet, waiting for Christmas to come, so we can fight about what Christ would do, while wearing red masks bedecked with colorful lights and jingle bells to match our Santa hats. Summer's here, and it's only getting hotter for all the wrong reasons. Voices grow hoarse, signs are hoisted, children of the bullhorns ride on shoulders above the masses, fires burn, glass breaks, drones and helicopters dance in the sky. Mothers scream for their, baby, for their babies. All of this as beaches, rooftops, and grassy areas fill with the free people trying to darken their skin. The irony is lost only on the lost. And aren't they beautiful, these stumps in the ground? And how many times this Marvin Gaye song? How many times this Marvin Gaye song? Okay, thank you, Bill. This brings me back oh, to last summer, which seems like ages ago, sadly. The irony is lost only on the lost, indeed. Um, do you think it's done now, or are you still going to tinker with it? I can see why um, you're probably tinkering with it. Well, I, I think I'd better move on to happy Biden poems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. That also strikes me as a good title for a poem. Happy Biden poems. <laughs> uh, he's definitely doing better than the last guy. Uh, man, feels like we actually have an adult in charge. Yeah, here and there. Uh, yeah, I remember what that feels like again. Uh, thank you for this. Uh, I like thank this you. a lot. Uh, yeah, and uh, maybe you should just take over 61, Bill, since you live nearby. <laughs> <laughs> just... i'll keep an eye out for new management <laughs> <Yeah>. why not <laughs> or just open a poetry bar and then we'll have the up there 
or just come to my house. Yeah, okay, that works too. <laughs> Might have to renovate. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, our next reader is Stella Lee. How are you doing, Stella? Happy to be here. Grateful to be here. Hopeful as well with everyone. Prophetic significance. Sky with size of white clouds stretch across a blue Saturday afternoon horizon. Feels like prisons as the fan drones on and the bars soldered to the window cut up my view of the world outside. I look out to lazily scan over the same things, snow, ice, buildings, brick, glass, skeletal tree branches, same panorama, day in and day out. Same expectations of sunlight glistening off small puddles on the rooftop beside generator hums. And then I saw you. Slick feathers and the sense of forgotten fantasies and old rhymes. A mystery I knew, but let slip past me in faded dreams, wisped away with the burning of sunlight. Red tail, white belly, onyx talons, piercing beak, this gray landscape of asphalt dotted with pockets of crystallized water, make a runway leading to you. As the heat from the dead body hisses into the breeze, feathers float, circulate corners, pour away from your beak and push against gravity like final rites for the corpse you devour. Raptor, wild and fierce, perched upon my rooftop. The entrails are the most coveted. Solo and leisurely, you pluck apart the chest, tear into the tendons, Drip delicate blots of blood over the wing feathers. Dance with your talons dug deep into its flesh. This bird no longer anything, just bones, veins, and muscles. Animated by your hungry movement, I watch, wanting to get closer, see you clearer, hear the sounds of your ripping and pulling, you, indifferent to my surprise, stately propped atop your catch, your powerful muscular yellow legs stained maroon, your eyes collective and focused. I want you to stay, live in the corner of the rooftop, bring twigs and leaves and a partner and eggs, but as soon as your presence is no longer novel, as soon as I feel comfortable with your gaze and the pieces that kept folding into the hardened snow seem to have been there before, as soon as I feel like I can look away, and still find you when I choose. You have flown away. Wow, thank you. This is intense and vivid. And uh, it's, like a, it's like a molten core at the center of this poem. Uh, this is, there's a lot of tearing in the middle of this poem. Uh, it really surprised me. Raptor, wild and fierce perched upon my rooftop. Um, it's always good to have entrails in the middle of a poem, I feel, and talents. <laughs> um, yeah, great stuff, Stella, as usual. Uh, I like this form you're working with. Um, okay. Wow, it's like hypnotic. Uh, our next poem is by Morgan Boyle. Morgan, how are you doing? Hello. I'm doing well. I am here. I'm alive, existing. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we can ask. <laughs> honestly, honestly. All right, go for it. Okay. Uh, winter after fall. Been painting my eyes dark and getting plastered in the park. 
in lieu of words I vomited in the bushes on the hill. It wasn't a poem because it wasn't a poetic sadness. Poetic sadness isn't wet, doesn't spatter. Poetic empathy isn't blurred eyes from Crown Heights liquor, corner liquor store love in the bushes in the park, pissing in the dark friend posted up as Sentinel. It wasn't supposed to be like this. At the beginning, it was eight hours of sleep and the softness of home. Slipping into words, into digital messages, eye-fucking strangers on soulful walks, all I could do without touching another body. Now it's been almost a year and I'm eye-fucking on the street, eye-fucking on the train, eye-fucking in the photos I take and send to strangers whose bodies I don't know, and I miss the not knowing, the unknowing, the feeling and touching and thinking that they could be anything and anyone, and the parks and the streets are the only things I explore now, staring down neon signs that were new to me in April. Newness. The newness of April, stretching fingers, toes, entire limbs, stretched my head into April. Who was April? Who was I in April? God, that newness. The poems I wrote in a soft word, world free of work and full of sorrow. Nothing like the fear of death and lack of work to kick a body. January came dark. Winter came dark. I came darkly in a world free of good porn. In my bed yesterday, it was it the day before. The bodies are lacking. My body is lacking. The mirror in my room is too big and all I can see is my body that should be old to me, new to me in the constant scrutiny. I got a tattoo to solidify my old body and my new head. But every time I wake up in the mirror, I always wake up in the mirror. I sit up and I am the first thing I see. I see dissonance, the dissonance of body, of mind, of tattooed self, of stupidity. I move through stupidity, never having felt stupid. Wake up as a new person every unnumbered day and look into the dissonant and dare not to feel sick or stupid or sad or concerned. It's been almost two years since I've seen my family. Will they notice that I've aged? Have I aged? Can I be stuck at a young 28 until I can throw my body back into the pit? The human race never wants to work again. Let the government take care of us and let us be ourselves. Sad people, lonely people, romantic people building monuments to the dead until we cross that mysterious comforting line and join the souls hanging in the ether. I think that we as a people, we as a people with our farting lovely idiosyncrasies as a strange little race hanging in space could build something new, something striking if none of this existed and instead we were just given, allowed our time. The time we were bestowed by being born into a world that is made up. You were gonna fuck me on the west side in the dark by the Hudson. And you were an enigma from two years ago who burned a cop car at the right time and I was gonna let you. Hands on my thighs, skirt rolled up, staring into the depths of the river. That would make me grow gills if you decided to pull out and throw me in. Throw me in, give me the gills. Give me the bodies and the sunken card, cars. Is freedom to be found in the third arm and the second head and the smarter brain that I'll grow at the bottom of the Hudson? Maybe I'll crawl out a drowned hideous creature, horrifying enough to be paid to exist in solitude. I'll move into a house on a hill. Just let me be your 21st century recluse. Give me the time back and maybe I'll write something worthwhile. With a stipend, I'll write love letters to friends and mean them. 
I was on my bike coming home from work and there was one man in the Hudson in a wetsuit, mouth full of tainted water, yelling happily at one old man on shore. And I took a quick video of his joy in pollution interspersed with videos of a nut truck and we all laughed at him. But hell, maybe he and his hidden wetsuited gills are better off than my nine to five, 10 to six, 11 to seven some Saturdays. After all, the pandemic is lonely. I am lonely, my bed is lonely, and I am hot online. Loneliness has bred nothing but photos with nothing in them. Streets filled with only me. If my grandma dies, I'm gonna tear the world apart. Don't I know it? Okay, wow, thank you. That was epic. That was a great, uh, great New York City poem. Wait, are you in New York City? You are in New York City. <laughs> yeah, I live in Brooklyn. I, yeah. yeah, I'm here. <laughs> sort of like, uh, it makes me miss New York. Uh, it's also a great pandemic poem, obviously. Um, seems to channel a little bit of Henry Miller. I don't know if you like Henry Miller. I like Henry Miller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where is this line I'm looking for that Gregory quoted in the chat? <laughs> it's another... Uh, it's a night of one-liners. Where did it go? Oh, here it is. I came darkly in a world free of good porn. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, that just sounds like it sounds like what modernism should have been. <laughs> like, seems like there should have been like a T.S. Eliot poem starting with that line. Um, okay, thanks very much, Morgan. This was great. Thank you. Uh, at first, I thought I Am Hot Online was the ending of the poem. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good ending. But uh, I like this ending, too. Okay. Um, thanks very much. Our next reader is Lindsay Abram, whom we heard from earlier tonight at the end of the workshop. Uh, how are you, Lindsay? I'm good. Thanks. All righty. Go for it. All right. I don't quite know how to pronounce the title of my poem. I believe it's a triolet or a trilet, the perils of being self-taught. All right. Late term trilets, rupture. An anticipatory breach of contract, her parents, lawyers might call it. This feels appropriate if an exact anticipatory breach of contract it had always been a fragile pact with grievances not improbable. She awaits the breach of contract. Her parents, cowed, don't call. Question. To be born broken or to become nothing. There is impossible strife in her gut the size of her thumb. Broken but still trying to become a golf ball, clementine, plum, what is worth living? What is just life? Born broken or not to become. Nothing there, possibly, but the knife. Sisterhood. Camp counselor, cousin, friend of a friend. She woke into some sorrowful trend. Is being counseled by friends who had preferred to pretend. All this time, it'd been unspoken. Camp counselor, cousin, friend of a friend, she woke. Announcement. She needs you to know she did everything. Right up to the moment she lets go, she'll need you. 
to know how it ends and still let it grow. Doomed bud, it got all of her light. That she needs you to know. She did everything right. Very nice. Uh, I love this. The tree days. What a it's like a it's like an old friend coming into the <laughs> open mic. Very nicely done. Very elegant and uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, gnomic. Do you know that word gnomic? Maybe. <laughs> if you don't, look it up. It's one of my favorite words. Uh, but your poem has your poem has quality. Uh, seems basically what that means to me is like the poem seems smarter than me <laughs> and uh it makes me want to reread them and uh decipher all of their little nuances but uh yeah great stuff thank you Lindsay. thank you um rhyme is still alive <laughs> in poetry uh, it's good to see that our next reader tonight is yana kane am i pronouncing your name right yana yes uh okay. or, or this is how it's pronounced in English. <laughs> so, well, how do you pronounce it? In English, I pronounce it Kane. Uh, actually, it was Yana Kanea, but we spelled it like this in English, and that's how everybody pronounces it, and that's how it is. <laughs> Yana Kanea? Is that how Kanea. it's Yeah. Kanea? Uh, could you scroll it up a little bit, because I can't, I don't remember it by heart, and I can't read it. Um, okay, this is good. Thank you. Visitor. Sometimes at night, I'm visited by a ghost of my own self, but from a past existence. I don't feel frightened. After all, she's me. I watch her move and hover in the distance. I think she's curious about my present life. She pauses by the shelves and long she looks at pictures of new friends and those she knew at souvenirs of travels, at my books. I watch her slowly turn, her gaze meets mine. I search her features. There is not a trace of anger, accusation, or contempt upon her face, my own younger face. I almost can believe that she forgave this life that I have built above her grave. Okay, wow, very nicely done. Uh, I love this. Another form, uh, nice sonnet. Uh, I just feel like, I feel like so stupid after saying that, but uh, it's really nicely done. Very beautiful poem. Thank you. Um, I just taught the son the Shakespearean sonnet to my uh, undergrads today, and I was telling them how difficult that closing couplet is. Um, it's almost always bad, <laughs> but this one I think is very good. So uh, very nicely done indeed, Yana. Thank you. Uh, and nice bookshelves. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, they, they, they are actual <laughs> bookshelves. Uh, Thank you. I'm glad you like them. Yeah. Uh, they're very important. Poet's background is crucial. <laughs> it's at least 33% of the poem when you read it on Zoom. Our next poet, uh, no stranger to those of you that have been tending the yacht lately, Seth Leeper. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm trying to pretend that my background is. Um... <laughs> hey, you got some books back there. 
Yeah. I got I got to, you know, do the whole thing where you go into Zoom and like change your settings to set the right. background. The virtual background. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. What you said. <laughs> All right. Go for it. Thanks. So, yeah. So this is another surreal painting, um, part of, I guess, a series of like poem paintings. All right. Here we go. Uh, Chirp the Martyr. That's a real painting. He was pretty as a bird with eyes the size of saucers, spiraled like kaleidoscopic whirlpools, reflecting the indifference of passersby. He so earnestly wanted to peck the shoulders of, so they would stop and stroke his feather-like hair and hold him in the palms of their hands like a fresh hatched chick. But their eyes passed over him like spoons dropping Easter eggs to shatter before they hit the die, whooshing on the way to oblivion, resigned to show their sunny insides running over hot cement, fully committed to the spread of the yoke as a humble consolation to the glitz and the glitter. Okay, thank you. It's another great in installment of this, the rapid fire style that you've been writing in lately. It's like you read at the speed of my scroll, which is difficult, <laughs> difficult to do. Uh, but I'm really liking these. Trip the Martyrs, real painting. Okay, uh, great stuff as usual. Thank you. Um, thank you very much. Our next reader is Harvey, who I believe is reading a different poem. Is that correct, Harvey? Myself, yeah, I'll, I'll read something that uh, I think I put the finishing touches to just before uh, you started. So, uh, did you send it to me in the chat, Harvey? Do you want me to share it, or did you not send it? I didn't get a chance to because oh, okay, okay. I, why don't you just read it? I didn't see your email until uh, you know, okay. I, yeah. Don't worry about it. About to join. Go ahead. Uh, so let me bring bring the poem up. This is called Romeo and Juliet Without the Death. You'd think after 35 years of being asked to take out the garbage, her voice would grate on him. But no, that would have been the old pre-Juliet Romeo. He takes comfort in her reminding him of his husbandly duties, what to do and where to go, a teasing badinage so Juliet it informs factional loyalists just how death-defyingly far they've come. Certainly, family divisions remain somewhat in residence in the kids' rooms on the second floor of their empty nest. In the blue room, a pennant on the wall urges, go Montagues, <laughs> no less strongly defended, go Capulets. Fierce pacifists, they eschewed such after-school activities for their children as color war, tug of war, all that sort of thing, preaching and practicing an ecumenical harmony, the mere mention of which would once have resulted in bloodshed. Their house rule number one was that duels with anything other than wooden swords or loaves of bread shorter and thicker than French baguettes was strictly forbidden exception being made for the exchange of sharp cheeses on the Piazza del Bra. Consequently, the maturation of their offspring was practically bloodless. Raised not to pose a threat of poisoning or hymeneal hysteria to significant others, 
the epoxy mix of Montague and Capulet, an unbreakable bond between them. Go Montagues, go Capulets, go us. With not a word about tiger parenting, neither sought to emulate the beast. Relying upon judicious upbringing, cool heads, the unfortunate example of cousin Tybalt to maintain the peace. Love standing against all the reasons they shouldn't have wed. Okay, thank you, Harvey. You're welcome. Romeo and Juliet in the house. Let me also, if I may, just briefly refer to people. I'm going to be posting an invitation to the next Artful Dodgers uh, poetry uh, open mic featuring uh, Laura Carolyn Scott with us from the UK on March 27th. Uh, you're all welcome to join and come read. Okay. Uh, yes, please do that. I was going to say before you made that announcement, uh, I played Romeo in the fifth grade play. <laughs> Just uh, was, ended up being a very scarring experience for me. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, my there were two productions of the play in fifth grade. There, I guess there was too many students in our class, so we did two different productions and. My girlfriend at the time was Juliet in my production. And then after the play, she dumped me from Mercutio, which I thought was <laughs> beautiful poetic justice. Because I wanted to play Mercutio, but uh, my mom wanted me to play Romeo. So I was like, all right, fine. And I tried out for it and like, got the part. And uh, Yeah, anyway, that was way too much information for all of you. Uh, seems like a good segue to Judy's next poem, Too Many Bro Boyfriends. How are you, Judy? It's good to, good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. I finally got on the list. It wasn't easy. <laughs> yeah, well, you finally signed up early enough. <laughs> All right, go for it. All right. Okay, you're going to scroll this up for me, right? Okay. Too many boyfriends. I have too many boyfriends. They fill up my pockets. Ever since COVID, I can't close the closet. Used to swipe them and like them and text to say hi. Then I'd meet them in person for coffee or tea. That was the time for he's cute or goodbye. But the strange situation has changed up the norm. Now I don't meet them in person at all. They don't live in Brooklyn. They don't ride the train. The masks can't protect them enough to be safe. It's asthma or cancer or some dread disease that leaves him uneasy or else that he lives with his daughter or son and can't take the risk or his elderly mother needs him to visit. But he's sure I'm so sweet that I'll understand and we should keep texting or he will feel bad. So now there are men, tiny men from my phone, accumulating. They won't leave me alone. They climb out of my iPhone, gets crowded in there. They sleep in my shoes, they nest in my hair while I keep on searching for that perfect guy who's handsome and kind and lives right nearby. I keep swiping and liking, can't tell what I think till they fill up the cabinet under my sink. Under the couch, dust bunnies and men sneezing and raising their voices to quell. Why did you like me? You don't seem to care. I thought we'd have coffee and take it from there. I try to explain, but their needs are too great. Their virtual selves are all over the place, whining and quetching. We must keep on texting till my Wi-Fi goes dead. 
Thank God I have spectrum. Oh God, I can't. <laughs> I can't with this phone. Um, <laughs> uh, so good. Um, the, what is it? The tiny men in my phone. <laughs> the tiny men from my phone accumulating. Um, I know Dr. Zeus is is not <laughs> in a good place. No, right I'm, re now. I'm ready to take his place. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it definitely reminds me of Dr. Zeus. Uh, the Dr. Zeus that is not uh, not not pissing people off right now. <laughs> the better, the better Dr. Zeus, the better angel. Uh, I think he would have appreciated this. Um, <laughs> thank God, I have Spectrum. Okay, well, yeah, I guess it's tough out there. Uh, tough out there, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, um, you know, hopefully everyone gets vaccinated soon. <laughs> Start meeting for coffee dates again. Uh, yeah, man, uh, I haven't been dating in a while, so I just <laughs> I haven't thought about it, but I can imagine the first wave of dates that will happen post-vaccination. be very exciting. <laughs> um okay yeah maybe you have to like people have to bring their proof of vaccination to the date or something. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> very, very romantic <laughs> um okay uh thanks great stuff that was a jolt of jolt of fun yep uh <laughs> our next reader is meredith darling looks like you're ready to go you're already on my screen um which you probably unmuted yourself okay <laughs> Uh, how are you, Meredith? Well, I'm doing well, thank you. All righty. Uh, welcome to the Yop Open Mic. Go for it. Thank you. Survivor as Ghost of the Future. Quote, why deny the obvious need for memory? Unquote. Marguerite Dura, Hiroshima Mon Amour. I come to this room from a storm of clouds. I bury the dead here, under floorboards, shelters for severed atoms in my chest. An atomic tomb is what's left from the blast. Another relative in the balance of the taken, brothers gone to heavens unknown on broken ground around dad's radioactive turtle pond in this empire of the bound as black sun shone. Dogs raved mad like fire-breathed monstrosities, crazed as phased-out flags faded fast into gusts, killer rains vapor, the bare-bones witness. I wonder if they misunderstood our chances. When the mushroom ushers in the silence, science can do little to reboot the binary bits. Killing to stop more killing, the big one hits to end the meanness as the punishment fits our times. If the flesh falls off this pitiful story, a particle of truth might be staging a foray. Today, kids inherit the abhorrent show of horror, futures fused in a slaughter and pixel culture, graphics screaming while protesting literature turns to dust unchecked on the void horizon. If it really is a new age, can planet Earth win? Do I open up the door and let the sunshine in? Okay, very nicely done. 
And uh, hi to your, it's a dog, right? It's a cat. Oh, it's a cat. I couldn't see the head anymore. Um, it looks like you're working some form here. This this looks like uh, it's like you're writing heroic couplets or something like it. Yes, you've got some rhyme at the end. Yeah, I'm waiting for you to chime in here. I'm trying to figure out what it is. It's it's something of my own creation. Yeah, well, it's a it's a great creation. I mean, it seems like you've got mostly rhyming couplets, but then every now and then you've got like a triplet. Uh, very sneaky, sneaky in a good way. <laughs> uh, and it seems like it's mostly iambic pentameter. Uh, prosodic chops, I love it. Lots to dig into here. Uh, yeah, great language in this poem. Okay, uh, what's your cat's name? This is Alex, A-L-I-C-K-S. A-L-I-C-K-S, okay. Uh, why that particular spelling? He climbed under my bed and had kittens. She's a feral. Okay, all right. Very nice. Well, hi, Alex. Next time you should read a poem. Uh, all right, our next poet is Matt Morse. How are you, Matt? I'm doing good, Jason. Can you hear me? I can now, yes. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, my iPhone because my Wi-Fi is down. So. Okay. All right. All right. Go for Here it. we go. Fear of flying, a diptych. At night, fog mnemonics drape the planes and block the mind-swept stars. Light pierces vertical memory cathedrals, and pilots chatter on edge as electrical messages vibrate mood-striped headsets. Chemicals flash, pop, clash, start, and stop. Fear is the product. This is common sense. It explodes in pure heroic pretense. And like the bacon at breakfast that was overdone, or who burnt the toast? So your hair hurts sleepless nights and wide air scratches to arrange at your night pillow. Windows won't open. Purple dark dominates. Things smell strange. Two. And the threads of the drop top trail through your hands to places far away, free of snags as things fall apart. The process lovely, the knots continue to slide through your hands and every tug complicates the boring repeat like a peak sestina when no known know-how can burst the separation between work and life. Do I have to build more overgrown rafts to wrestle through this ingrown flux or Will a Western wind arrive to untangle things? The process lovely as the knots confide, a tight secret pulsing itself as a grace that roams wild and useless, free and beautiful. Thank you. Okay, thanks very much, Matt. Did you know that Gregory was gonna lead a workshop on diptychs tonight when you chose? Oh, yeah, I, I, caught, I caught the very end of it and I decided that, to make the, that this is a diptych. <laughs> I see. Okay. I was, like, I was like, yeah, but you chose the poem. Yeah, I think it, I think it works as a diptych. I think we but I didn't. Diptych. Why not? Uh, I like the phrase peak sestina. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a special like poet, poet humor, I guess. Um, 
trying to yeah. imagine. I'm trying the to imagine insider. what Peak Sistina is. <laughs> but I feel like it's very good. Yeah, I, I think I just like I just like the sound of it, Jason. So yeah, I thought it was cool. It does sound good. <laughs> uh, all right, thanks very much, Matt. Our next reader is Serendria Rao. How are you, Serendria? Hi. Uh, thanks, Jason. I'm good. Uh, so this song is actually inspired by the Ilaria Baldwin uh, fallout, and I decided as a joke to write it in an old Spanish form called uh, La Tria. Uh, it's got stanzas and refrains. So this is La Tria para Ilaria, melody for Hillary. We pick our names to start. This is how we play our parts. My sister and I are playing White House. We assume names like Hillary and Charles. No parents scream or hit in White House. Our family smiles. We pass the salt politely, posing like dolls in a dollhouse. We've laid the silverware out, keeping the knives and forks apart. We pick our names to start. This is how we play our parts. At Aji's home in Bangalore on a hill in Banashankari, a new VCR plays My Fair Lady. My sister and I sing gleefully, wouldn't it be loverly? Every duke and earl and peer is here. We sing the entire movie score until we know the tunes by heart. We pick our names to start. This is how we play our parts. My father lulls a Texan drawl with neighbors, with Hindi speakers whose voice is nasal. It's weaker rhotics like Queen's English Kleena, chatting with Kanadigas. Vowels can sprawl, rise and fall. His idiolect weaves off and y'all. Speaking is a chameleon's art. We pick our names to start. This is how we play our parts. Sometimes I wish to be the color of salt dissolving in transparent water without pretense or artifice, a disappearance of sweat and tears like incense dispersed in smoke that briefly hovers. Blood is the ancient mother. Tongues may hide or thwart. We pick our names to start. This is how we play our parts. Okay, thank you, Serendria. Very nicely done. Uh, I love this penultimate stanza here. Very beautiful. Sometimes I wish to be the color of salt dissolving in transparent water without pretense or artifice. A disappearance of sweat and tears. Uh, some beautiful poetry right there. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Our next reader tonight is the one and only Todd Friedman, hailing from Sunset Park, Gregory Crosby's neighborhood. How are you, Todd? I didn't know Gregory was a neighbor. Well, you guys are going to have to meet up now. All right. Okay, the San Francisco story. My brother said he was going to go out in a top hat and tails. A final blaze of glory in the San Francisco streets. Meanwhile, he died at age 34 in his bed with only a volunteer by his side. Someone who visited AIDS patients three times a week while the virus was raging in the mid 90s. I kept asking the volunteer, are you sure? Are you sure? But she told me rigor mortis had set in. I didn't know Jim had been buying Coke with the money I'd been sending him. And one friend he had left out there told me this after I tried calling people 
from Jim's address book and no one wanted to attend a ceremony. He had a talent for burning people. I felt that myself, but it was my job to deal with the ashes. Forget the family, they weren't coming out. So there we were, the volunteer, this one friend and me. The loneliness of it made me think of Willie Loman. We went down to the bay on the Sausalito side, the Golden Gate right there in view. We all took turns pouring Jim's ashes into the bay when Jim's friend had finished. He said that Jim was now a part of eternity. Yeah, I've heard that before. We are stardust and all that jazz. But what if no one remembers you, or they don't want to? Isn't that what Willie really meant when he said he was ringing up a zero? Okay, thank you, Todd. Very beautiful poem. Oh, it's very, very sad, but uh, you captured the subject well. Um, yeah. Um, oh, when did you write this poem? Recently? I actually wrote this in Jay Deshpande's um, workshop on elegy. The elegy, so, yeah. I was about to say. So, uh, not that long ago. Right. Well, it seems like that, that workshop was good for you. Um, yeah, it's a great elegy for your brother. Um, okay, thanks very much, Todd. Uh, make a date with Gregory, and uh, you guys can be besties from now on. <laughs> you, Gregory, and Richie. I guess Abby, too, she could join you. <laughs> uh, she'd probably have to at some point. Uh, our next reader is Frank Rubino, joining us from New Jersey in the Red Wheelboard Barrow Poets. How are you, Frank? I'm well. How are you guys? All right. What's that? Great night this has been. What's right? the bridge in the background that you got there? Those are my bookshelves, Jason. <laughs> First I thought you were serious. I was like, is that a That's metaphor? just, uh, that's, um, that's in the Meadowlands. That's the Pulaski Skyway. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I've driven over that. To I miss, I realized part of the pandemic, I used, I've taken thousands and thousands of pictures from the train from New Jersey transit, you know, and I haven't um, been able to do that. And I really kind of miss, miss doing that. Yeah. In this weird way. It's a strange it is a good drive. <laughs> okay. Uh, go for it. All right. How can a loser ever win? I want to change sleeping into waking. I want to change dreaming into action. I want to change preparing for the end. I want to change the wooden floor into smooth clay. I want to change my moment-to-moment -moment worry about the details of my body into a meadow blooming on Railroad Ridge, Idaho with 10,000 Easter flowers. I want to change my sidewalk into an undulating river of foam. So when my mini stroke comes, I am like you when you walked beside me and felt the ground mush and you had your mini stroke and had to be rushed to the hospital. I want to change my job into a ministry. I want to change my computer skills into hospice skills. I want to change my blue jeans into a sari and wear a kimono and toga. 
I want to change a few enemies into whale shit. I want to change my mother's apartment into 225 Alexander Avenue, where probably still imprinted on the cement under the part of the deck the new owners don't know about are three small handprints. I want to change the handprints into the entry code you press on a digital simulation game so I can run the scenarios of my life again and again in different permutations, preventing some of our family's early errors and sadness, like hanging on to Frank's lunch year after year as manufacturing left Newark. When my mini stroke comes, I want to change struggling to know what I should be doing to free multidisciplinary practice of breathing and walking. Kiss when sleeping, your face becomes a child's face. When you were sleeping, your camisole moved aside and I stood and looked at you and allowed myself the crime of leaving the room when there were still more moments available to see you. I want to change my back into a powerful robotic lifter and flexor. I want to change my mild demeanor into a fierce sexuality. I want to change my opposition of guns into marksmanship. When my mini stroke comes and sweat soaks my long underwear and heavy shirt, and a handsome man stands by in the snow, unable to do anything for me, like a portrait of Washington or Jefferson, I want to change my respiration into sparking clouds astronauts saw from California to New Jersey. I want to change some friends into lovers. I want every other day to grow bigger muscle fibers to replace the ones I tore down. I want to change Pop-Up's house into heaven. I want to change death into an afterlife at Pop-Up's house. I want to change a feeling I have sometimes that intimacy is a waste of time and more pressing concerns require my attention like cooking. And I stood and looked at you and allowed myself the crime of leaving the room when there were still more moments available to see you with your camisole disheveled. I want to change the wolves, armies, cops, and lawyers scanning me for weaknesses so they can take me like cancer took my father, Gigi, Gloria, Maureen, person after person, in procession past the most toxic sites on the Passaic River into 10,000 Easter flowers blooming in a high altitude meadow on Railroad Ridge, Idaho. Okay, thank you, Frank. Uh, that was beautiful. That also read like an elegy. Uh, I don't know if you thought of it that way, but uh, yeah, it, it has that... Uh, Gravitas. I love the parts in parentheses, especially. They're very <laughs> tender and moving. Uh, it's almost like another voice comes out of the poem. Mm -hmm. Allow myself the crime of leaving the room with you in it. Is that what it said? No. Allow myself the crime of leaving the room when there were still more moments available to see you. And then the camisole disheveled. Uh, great stuff. Thank you. Railroad Ridge, Idaho. Is yeah. that a nice place? It's gorgeous. It's probably it's one of the most beautiful yeah. places I've ever seen. Oh, okay. I've always wanted to go to Idaho. Now I know where now I know where to go in Idaho. It's a very big state, so I wasn't sure where to go. <laughs> Railroad Ridge it is. Railroad Ridge. Thank you, uh, everybody. Yeah, thank you, Frank.
Samantha Marin, are you here? I think you're here. You joined late, but I believe you're here. I'm here, Jason. Hi. All right. Hi, everyone. Great to see you again. How are you good doing? to see you too. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are right. you? I'm good. That's a great cactus you have behind you. That's a cactus, right? Thank you. It's um Very tall. Oh yes, yes. Um, we have like we have like baby cacti in our house, so that's very impressive. I've definitely stepped into my plant lady role full speed, like yeah. in it during right. um, the pandemic. During quarantine. Uh -huh. yeah, I understand that. Uh, <laughs> all right, I think I think I remember this poem from our workshop. Yeah, yes. yeah. Right. Um, I wrote it in your workshop and. Um, I've been revisiting it a lot as just a way of reminding myself of what it feels like to get through a winter of my life. Um, Cause I feel like I'm going through that right now and many of yeah. us are, so. Okay, can go you, for it. Can you make it to April? The days my $100 monthly allowance hit are the days I 100% get out of bed and sleepwalk down Gerard to the Goodwill on Parliament. In February, it's always snowing in Cabbage Town, even when it's not. The raw air penetrates all of my layers, leaving me exposed to a cold that filters my view like TV static at 3 a.m. when you're in the thick of it. And I'm in the thick of it, a slow, solitary heart caught in an incurable grayscale. Gail Jumbo. That month at Goodwill, I caught a small owl figurine eyeing me from black plastic shelving. I waded through inertia and picked it up, looked at Dennett's eyes, questioning. Soon, a cherry woman with a hardened face appeared in all black, with bleached blonde hair and silver bells on her belt. She directed me with a jingle to the owl's brother sitting on top a gray plastic bin of thrift store odds and ends. She told me something with gravitas about her people knowing something about owls. She told me something that's like a shadow now, but then it felt bright and clear like the missing sun. The twins were a loony each and they were waiting for me. In my tiny cold apartment, they teach me something about the grittiness of sand streaming through the middle of an hourglass. Their wide painted eyes stared unblinkingly at me from the bookshelf, challenging. Can you make it to April? Many years later, I walked into an antique store on Atlantic. It was a sunny August Saturday afternoon in Brooklyn. I floated into the store in cut off shorts, knowing I can buy something in here but I won't because intergenerational residue does not let me buy antiques in an antique store. Soon my friend and I will slurp oysters and sip Prosecco on a patio. We're just looking miles away from our university days. I was lazily moving my gaze across the objects in a satiated trance when my friend pointed out something to me. Hey, it's like those owls in your apartment. And it's $349. Huh, was all I said as I picked it up, half shocked, half vindicated. I looked at the long lost triplets price tag for a long time. 
Then I remembered I had already paid the price and tags never capture a true thing's worth anyway. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, I love this poem. It's great to have it back in my life. Seems like you've expanded it a little bit or am I just misremembering? No, it's pretty much been the same. It's been like my, it's been like my, my, my poetry blanket. Okay. Yeah, that works. So it's expanded and it's expanded mythologically in my head. Yes. I think because like when I wrote it, yeah. it's like a different time, but yeah. Just God, how so when was that workshop that you took with me? It's fall 2019. Wow. It seems like a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, can you make it to April? Seems like it was prophetic. Right? <laughs> yeah. This is a pre pandemic poem, but it, it mm -hmm. almost sounds like, uh, you knew something we all didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we've all been thinking for the last. I need year. to look hard at my poems and see if I could get some other glimmers into the future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love this moment. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I say that a lot. Hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> huh. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks very much, Sam. Uh, it's great to see you again. Okay. Uh, we have a time for. Uh, I think three more. Uh, these are uh, people off the wait list. Well, it's not even really the wait list since we had a couple of no-shows, but uh, Gabriel Perpora is one of my students at Quinnipiac University joining us tonight. Uh, it's very exciting to have him here. It's first time at the Ops, so uh, give Gabe a warm virtual welcome that he can see. <laughs> how are you doing, Gabe? Good, how are you? All righty. It's good to see you outside of workshop. Go for it. it. Yeah. Uh, it's past my bedtime now at two in the morning and I am devoid of real thought. I think over the day and night I just had, I went for a run as the sun was waking and saw the cold earth covered in mounds of white. The day was bright reflecting off the ice capped park benches, boulders, garages and lawns, but there was an absence to the whole thing. People were gone, some forever. The vehicle stained with salt marks, driveways iced over, some still not cleared at all. The streets were empty, the only sound, foot after foot echoing out the void, matched only by the shallowness of breath that only years of habitual smoking can lead to. I saw the trees dead and cold, coated in ice, except those few evergreens living in cold, like me. I'd gone too far. I nearly missed class where I heard stories of others dealing with the coldness of the world. And it made me feel cold that I had no stories to relate back into the world. I didn't lose anything. My life had gotten no better and no worse since the pandemic started. I don't know anyone who died. I don't even know anyone who had it. But just because you haven't seen something doesn't mean it isn't real. People talk about life after the pandemic. Hell, some people are living life after the pandemic in other countries, in distant lands, across cold oceans. I saw both of my brothers today, one 17, nearly a man himself, and the other only three, still a far cry away from true childhood. My father asked, as he always does, when I will be having one, like it is something you go to the store and buy. The truth is, I don't think about fatherhood. How can I when it's nearly 2.15 and I'm still nursing a bottle of whiskey alone in a nearly empty house filled with the ghosts of childhood? 
the ghosts I fear I will recreate in my own kid's childhood. How can I even think about that at nearly 25, recovering from a breakup that left me shattered, cold, unemployed, still in school, chasing a meaningless piece of paper, venturing forward with a cracked compass and a map painted on the back of a coffee napkin. The idea of being someone else's dad terrifies me. If I am lost, that kid is lost too. I realize I didn't do much today. The truth is I don't do much most days. My life is not complex. All I'm left with at three in the morning is the sobering reminder I am alone. And because of the choices I made, pushing people away, breaking up with girlfriends, losing close ones to the coldness of the world. And one thing that haunts me is the idea that someday I will be a dad and someday my children will be cold too. Damn, man. <laughs> uh, sometimes I f forget that you're an undergrad still. <laughs> this film sounds, I mean, I know you've had many experiences that uh, undergrads don't usually have, but uh, you sound much, much older than your, your actual years. Uh, uh, yeah, great revisions. Seems like you've worked on it already, yes? Yeah, you've, uh, you've made the tra transitions uh, much smoother. Um, this was based on that prompt, uh, at one o'clock in the morning, right? The Baudelaire prompt that I gave him, told all my students to shut themselves in their rooms at, at, uh, early in the morning and then write about their days. Um, and this is what Gabe came up with, uh, great stuff. I think we were reading, uh, Reginald Dwayne Betts's felon at the time, right? He's got a poem, a confessional poem that he writes late in the night as well about, uh, talking to his kids about uh, why he went to jail. It's a great book, by the way, if you haven't read Felon, I recommend it. Uh, thank you, Gabe. So uh, we've got uh, a couple staff members that are gonna share poems. I'm gonna stop sharing from one computer because this is not on the official doc. And then I'm gonna share from another. Uh, our first staff member that's gonna share is Tarika Chandran, who is a uh, Another former student of mine from Quinnipiac, uh, now estranged from the university and uh, about to join another university. But uh, Tarika, how are you? I'm good. Mostly. All right. Uh, I'm excited to hear your poem. Go for it. Okay. This is like my first attempt at a romance poem. Aggressively shied away from them before, but the pandemic, so whatever. Okay. It's called Our Version. I only knew of perfect rainy Sundays from movies and shows, yet here I was vividly living it, all our problems forgotten. Maybe they fell off along with the rest of our clothes. I smiled, bliss has been a stranger to me, elusive and sly, but I think I managed to temporarily catch and store her, making peace that she may escape come July. For now, it's comfortable here in our small world where the scent of coffee meets the sound of laughter and we both lay here, peaceful and curled. I'm only reminded that time exists when I hear the rain and you tell me that there's worse things than death. I say I agree. You leaving would probably cause more pain. Our bodies weaved and tucked underneath your sheets. You asked me and pretended to think when in reality I was already grieving around. It's only mildly bittersweet. Okay, thank you. Uh, that's a very sweet poem. Not bittersweet. 
<laughs> uh, but uh, I think it's great that the, the poem lands on that word at the end. Okay. Uh, yeah. Don't be shy about the romantic poems. That's very nicely done. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, our, our last poem tonight is going to be by Lila Rudishauser. Let me share this. Uh, Lila, are you ready to go? Yes, I am. Hello. Okay. All right. This woman is a lesbian. Be careful. After Judy Graham. This woman is a lesbian, be careful. Please woman, see me. I have seen myself named perfect and I have worn perfection as a hair ornament. I have kissed boys or been fucked or stuffed dirt in my throat. As a girl, I saw another girl's white bedspread and liked it, one drop of blood, circular, perfect and singular. I made a friend of it. Born in a woman's body, I bleed and bleed and bleed. I don't know if I want children. I rarely menstruate, it doesn't matter. Crimson all the same. Each spout trickles those words, I am wrong. I am not lesbian in the way they want me to be. Sometimes I want to be butch, but it doesn't look right on me. Like when I shaved the bottom half of my head, severe. I make a bid for perversion, this inherited perversion, have indeed felt myself a pervert, have seen my fingers in stuff they ought not touch. It is not enough. How many times must I name myself? A porous-headed boy in college told me I look like all the girls he knew in high school who did cocaine. I know I am a category of person, but hear me. We are born into claimed bodies, obvious femmes, unobtrusive, wristless hands pile on our bellies the moment we're named girl. There are moments when I wish they sent hounds to sniff for our sweat, but they wouldn't assign the notice of a beast to us. No, our omens are sly and often sweetly acidic. I watched a man, a coward, sentenced to death in prison. It was ugly and vicious, and my God, I loved the fangs. I wanted and want his pain. Today, his friend was convicted, and I do not feel badly for him. Gettert, guttural sounding name, you can't say it without sneering. Always, always he chooses the method of his own demise. In dreams, I spit into the wound gunshot too, so typical to make someone else clean up after him, suffer for each time they said, don't you fucking touch me. Am I ugly enough for you? Do you at last fear me a little? I do. Okay, great. Uh, I love this poem, Lila, thank you. Badass. <laughs> uh, what a great ending. Uh, with so many good moments in this poem. Uh, oh, that second section especially. Um, and great, uh, yeah, great epigraph to begin with. All right, uh, that is our open mic. Um, I'm gonna backtrack over the names uh, so you can vote for Poem of the Month. I'm gonna put my uh, number in the chat again, 718-374-1953 to vote for Poem of the Month. 
Uh, you just heard from Lila Rudishauser. Before Lila was uh, Tarika Chandran. Before Tarika, we had Gabe Perpura. Before Gabe, uh, Samantha Marin. Uh, before Samantha, Frank Rubino. Todd Friedman, Surendria Rao, Matt Morse, Meredith Darling, Judy Schneier, Harvey Soth, Harvey Sauce, sorry, Seth Leeper, Yana Kanye, Lindsay Abrams, Morgan Boyle, Stella Lee, Bill Livingston, Hannah Donovan, Matthew Adabit, Cassidy Gabriel, and Kate Gardner. That brings us all the way back to the start. So again, to vote for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. Uh, just text me the post name and that uh, should suffice. Uh, again, if you have any good selfies to send us, uh, send them to ku at brooklynpoets.org or uh, post them on Instagram, tag us, and we can reshare them there. Um, an announcement about the next YOP. So first of all, the next YOP is uh, five weeks away because it's one of those weird months where we have five weeks between YOPs instead of four. And it's on April 12th, the second Monday of the month, the week after Easter. Uh, Anna Bazicevich will be leading that YOP. Uh, we are handling the, sign the registrations for the YOP a little differently this month because uh, we've, <laughs> we've figured out the things that Eventbrite allows us to do. Uh, so what's going to happen now is you're going to sign up for the YOP as usual. I will share my screen to show you this if you haven't signed up for the YOP before. Um, and once you sign up, you're going to tell us if you want to read for the open mic or just sign up for the workshop and you click submit, you're going to be taking the Eventbrite page. And on the Eventbrite page, you are going to um, select your ticket. So the YOP used to be $10 for the workshop and the open mic and just $5 for the open mic and free for members. So we are restoring those pre-pandemic prices. If you are a member, you'll just enter the code that you use to get uh, $25 off workshops and you'll get free admission. This allows us to get members their free admission without having uh, having to have you guys email me and then me sending you an invite. And it's just a lot of uh, unnecessary admin. Um, so, uh, this is what we're going to do from now on. Uh, we'll see when we can do the up again in person, but it doesn't look like it's going to be anytime in the, the near future. Uh, so this is what we'll be doing from now on. Okay. Uh, and again, if you are interested in Jay Deshpande's craft lab, that's coming up this Sunday, March 14th. Uh, again, uh, you can sign up, uh, just go to brokenpoets.org. Click on Craft Labs. If you are a member, you get $25 off. If you uh, are not a member and need financial aid, you can request it in the sign-up form and I will get back to you. Um, all right, thanks to all of our readers. Thanks to Gregory Crosby. Let's give him a big virtual round of applause for leading a great workshop. Thank um, you as always, Jason, for everything that yes. you do. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> and thank you again. Uh, again, uh, check out Gregory's new book, Said No One Ever. It's great. I'm guessing there's a diptych or two in there. Uh, I love the word diptych. It's just a very- <laughs> There actually is one. Uh, uh, someone re reminded me that there is one in there, so. Okay. There you go. All right, well, there you go. Uh, thanks to my staff, Tarika, Lila, uh, Kindle, Jay, Joe, and I think that's all the staff that are here. Am I forgetting one? I think that's it. Um, okay, uh, so we will see you. March 14th, if you're joining us for the Crab Lab. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'll see you at the next event after that. We have another Staff Picks event coming up on April 1st, which will 
find out about very soon. And then, of course, the next year is on April 12th with Anna Pazicevic. Good night. Be well, poets. Stay safe. And uh, we'll see you next time. There you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for March 8th, 2021. Thanks to our beloved professor Gregory Crosby for leading a workshop on the diptych, one of my favorite words, and kicking off the open mic with some poems from his new book, Said No One Ever, out from Brooklyn Arts Press. Congrats to Morgan Boyle for winning Poem of the Month for March for her epic poem, Winter After Fall. So many amazing lines uh, and hilarious and moving moments in that poem. Morgan's earned free admission to a future Yawp, a Brooklyn Post tote bag, and a spot in our 2021 Yawp Poem of the Year contest, which will come your way in December, when hopefully we will all be vaccinated, or, or most of us, anyway and can meet in person again. It looks looks more likely that that may happen. Uh, if you haven't heard, uh, we just announced uh, our summer retreat will be virtual this year. Uh, this is usually what we call our Hamptons retreat because it's in the Hamptons. But since it's not happening in the Hamptons, we're just calling it our summer retreat. That will be the weekend of June 18th to 20th led by Natalie Eilbert, Marwa Halal, Tayyima Jess, and myself. So to check out more information about that, go to brooklynpoets.org, click on events, and click out Summer Retreat, and you will see all the information there. We are taking fellowship applications for that. If you need financial aid, those applications are due on April 11th, and early registration runs through April 25th. You can get $100 off registration until that time. Our next event comes your way on April 1st. That's a Thursday, 7.30 p.m. The next installment of our Brooklyn Poets Staff Picks event. That is an event curated and run entirely by staff members not named myself. Um, So check that out. That's a free event on Zoom. You can register for that also by going to brooklynpoets.org and clicking on events and then clicking on staff picks. Our next yawp comes your way on Monday, April 12th. That is a few weeks from now. That will be led by Anna Bazicevic, who is leading a workshop for us this spring. Uh, And she will give you a glimpse of what she is doing in that workshop with her students. Okay, uh, that's all the announcements I have. That was a lot, actually. I hope you uh, made it through the end of those. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Uh, If you can, subscribe to us on iTunes if you're not already. We'd love it if you'd rate us five stars so more people can find this podcast and hear all of the amazing poems uh, by the poets that read at our open mic every month. Uh, Thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you at the next job, hopefully, and uh, check in with you again on our job cast uh, in April. Okay, be well and be safe.